Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I'm the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, which is celebrating its 25th anniversary this month. We are now officially in August, the 25th anniversary of Tuesdays with Maury. So hard to believe that 25 years ago, uh, this book came out to tepid reception. Uh, you know, normally people say this book came out to grand fair fair to wonderful reception. No, the truth is that Tuesdays with Maury began very small and very quiet. And I'm going to talk about some small and quiet things today as well in today's podcast. Lisa Goich is alongside. She's our producer of this program and my good friend, Lisa. Always good to have you with us. How are you doing? I am good. That's hard to believe, by the way, that it came out with small and little fanfare when it was first released. I want to hear more about that. So, well, when it- let me let me let me tell you about the. This is a good day to talk about the release of Tuesdays with Maury. So, since Tuesdays with Maury was released, uh, and, and I love that word "released" as if it's chomping at the bit to get out. Basically, it's, it's held just- behind a gate, and it's yes. like. Digging its paws in. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then the gate opens. Well, that was not the case with Tuesdays with Maury. Tuesdays with Maury uh, was a small printing of about 20,000 copies. And I'm going to share some funny stories today about its, its sort of launch. So about 20,000 copies, you spread that all over the country, that's not a whole lot. And it was mostly here in the state of Michigan where I lived, and then you know some other places here or there, but nobody was expecting it to do a whole lot. And I was expecting to have the book come out and then return to my life as a sports writer, mm-hmm. which is what I had done prior to my time with Maury. And taking some time off to write that book. I was a sports writer, for those of you who don't know, I was a sports writer for the Detroit Free Press, which I still am. Uh, I wrote a column, but back then I was doing it four or five days a week. And I was also a commentator on ESPN, on a program on Sunday mornings called The Sports Reporters, and and at the time on something called ESPN2, which was a new network back then. So I was spending sometimes two or three days doing that as well. And I had a radio show that I did in Detroit five days a week. And I did a sports show on top of that. And I wrote freelance <laughs> magazine articles and all that. It was you're, crazy. You're such a slouch. <laughs> yes. I was, I you really was need resting to, on my laurels. Yeah. You're, you then, really need to step up your game. <laughs> and then along comes this book, Tuesdays with Maury, which I just wrote to pay Maury's medical bills. 
that was the only reason I wrote it. And I, I've told that story before where we couldn't find any publishers who really wanted to publish it. Most people said, no, it's boring. They're not interested. And we finally found one a few weeks before Maury died. And, and they were able to give us enough money to pay Maury's medical bills. And that was really the whole purpose of the, the exercise was to pay Maury's medical bills. And Maury passed away shortly after that. And then I sat down to write the book. So Maury never had a chance to read a single page of Tuesdays with Maury. So it wasn't as if he was going to be around to talk about it. It wasn't as if, you know, sometimes when nonfiction books come out, the subject is there to do interviews and things like that. So if Maury had been around somehow to be interviewed, maybe there would have been greater interest because he was somewhat known after those three Nightline broadcasts that brought him to the world's attention. You know, he did, they, Ted Koppel did three individual shows with him. Uh, half hour apiece. So there were people who were kind of familiar with who he was, but Maury was gone by the time the book came out. It was nearly two years after he died. And so all there was was me. And nobody was all that interested in me. Uh, I mean, who oh, was don't I? sell I was, yourself short. No, I'm, I'm being serious and I, I, I fully understand it. You know, if, for example, they tried to contact some sports stations to see if they would do interviews with me about this book, and they would say, well, yeah, we know Mitch Album from the sports world, but why would we want to talk to him about a book about a professor who was dying? That's not. What, was he was he an athlete? You know, right. was he a coach? <laughs> was he a famous football player? So they weren't interested. And then the more traditional kinds of shows, the Today Show or Good Morning America or things like that, they weren't interested because they said, "Well, he's a sports writer. What do we, you know, wh why do we want to talk to a sports writer?" So there were precious few opportunities to talk about the book when it first came out. And, and I would go wherever anybody would give me an opportunity to, to be heard. <laughs> and that meant agreeing to some very small, very small visits. And uh, boy, I can, I can recall just a few to share with you. Uh, I may be mixing up my cities because it's 25 years ago, but I think in St. Louis, we went to uh, a radio station, such as it was, that was located in the back of a woman's house. That's how oh. small. Oh, geez. <laughs> the back of a woman's house. And we walked into this woman's house, and, uh, and she took me to the back room, and she had like a little microphone set up on a desk. And this is not what it is now, you know, where you can do a podcast. Yeah. There was no internet. She wasn't going through the internet. That was the radio station. And uh, she had a microphone and I had a little microphone. And we sat down. It was kind of warm outside. It was August or September. And, and uh, she had the window open. And I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, you have the window open. You're broadcasting. But okay. And she started to ask me some questions. And then wouldn't you know it? Oh, no. <laughs> outside the window, someone starts mowing the lawn. <laughs> and the mower would get like close to the window and then away from the window. So you, I would say, you know, so when I wrote, you, did you ever think, that, because you didn't know, you know, like that. So that was how that interview, I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine anyone could hear it other than her next door neighbors. But That's really funny. <laughs> whoever could hear it, uh, whoever could hear it, they, they heard, uh, that's what they heard. And then uh, they heard a lawnmower. Then um, I went to, I think it was Indianapolis. And 
there was uh, a rock and roll morning zoo show. Oh, boy. That had agreed to have me on. And why they agreed to have me on, I have no idea, because maybe they heard album and they thought they were going to get a free album. Uh, well, you know what? A free album. I think what they heard that you and uh, you know you and Ted Nugent used to be in cahoots. I think that's what it was. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I go into this morning zoo rock and roll radio station, and it, the the stations it's it's got like a black light uh, on the oh, wall. Gee. You know, the lights are out and music's blasting, and I see this this jockey is all disheveled. You know, looks like all the guys do in the morning. You know, and a t shirt and a backwards cap and. Uh, and, and I, I go in and, uh, he waves me in and I see he's got my book there. So I'm thinking, well, all right, this is the right place. And I he motions me to sit down and he pulls down the music mm-hmm. and he says, uh, yeah, folks, uh, that was some Van Halen for you. And, uh, now we got a very special treat. We got, uh, he holds my book up, Mitch, uh, Ablom. And, uh, he's written a book uh, called, he looks at it again, uh, Tuesdays with Maurice. So, uh, Mitch, I guess the obvious first question would be, why Tuesdays? <laughs> and who's Maurice? <laughs> yeah. Why Tuesdays? With that, you know, that, yeah, that this, radio. That, that, that radio voice, yeah. And I remember just being stunned, like, I don't know the answer to that question. I still don't know the answer to that question. So that was really how the early publicity went. There wasn't. <laughs> each, there wasn't much in the way of anything. Each one of those sold you five books apiece. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so we kind of went on like that. And I doubt they were even five books apiece. I remember I went to a bookstore. Now, this, I think, also was outside of St. Louis. And they said, well, you should go to this bookstore uh, because it's a small bookstore. But if the owner recommends your book, then, you know, people will buy it. I said, all right. So we drove, got a, must have been an hour outside of the city to this little town and this little bookstore. And I go into this tiny little bookstore that's kind of sitting by itself. It's in the back of some lady's house. <laughs> no, no, it almost was. It looked like a house. And I walk in there and there's nobody there, Lisa. Nobody. Oh. Oh. There's a cat in the window oh. and nobody there and a table of my books. And I meet the owner. I'm like, hello, you know, I'm trying to be a positive face and put a good spin on it. But you have that sinking feeling like, oh, gosh, nobody showed up. And I'm supposed to be here for two hours. And there's <laughs> nobody here. And, you know, it, it's, it's the elephant in the room. You want to say, there's nobody here. Can I go? But, of course, you don't say that. Right. And she, the owner, didn't say anything to me. She offered me a cup of coffee or tea or whatever. And and here I am sitting with a cup of coffee and tea, and there's a cat in the window of this bookstore or jumping on my lap and like a rocking chair. And I, I this is like out of a bad Stephen King well, book. Yeah, that- <laughs> and then the funniest thing happened. A person came in, and then another person came in, and another person came in, and they they said, well, I forget the woman's name now. Let's say her name is Susie. And they said, well, I'm sorry, I never heard of your book, but if Susie says we should get it, then we always get it. And and a bunch of people came in and got it. And that day was the first day that I kind of realized, wow, there's this thing going on with this book of word of mouth that people are talking about it a little bit, or at least here in St. Louis or greater outside St. Louis, this place, and the way that people were 
talking in the way that Susie, if that's her name, you know, recommended it, that was very promising. Maybe there'll be somebody else out there who would feel this way. So the weeks passed and, you know, it was, it was getting a little bit of a buzz, a little bit of a buzz, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, on any bestsellers list or anything like that. And August passed and September passed and I was going anywhere I could and any place people would talk to me. And we were begging the publisher to try to print more books and help us, help us with, you know, some publicity. Can't you find anybody who wants to talk to us? Can't you find anybody? And it it became, you know, such a back and forth between my literary agent and them that it started to get a little contentious, you know, like, hey, we're trying, you know, and hey, we're, we know you're trying, but you know, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden we were in the middle, I remember in the middle of one of these calls where uh, we were talking to somebody from the publishers about it. It was a little contentious and somebody got on the line and said, Stop, 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 stop. We just got a call from Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> they want to have you on the show. And I think my, my agent said something like, never mind what we said before. Or whatever. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and the call was to go do the Oprah Winfrey show. And I think it was in October. So if the book came out in August, remember, the book's now been out three months. In many cases, uh, when a book's out for three months, that's it. It's done. It's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it has its run. That's what it is these days. It's brand new. It gets a little tension oh, yeah. for the first week. It gets reviewed, and then it's gone. Trust well, here me. Here we are three months. <laughs> trust. <laughs> here we are three months now after the books come out. We get this call from Oprah Winfrey, but it wasn't the call from Oprah Winfrey. It wasn't Oprah Winfrey. It was. Big- it was a different Oprah Winfrey who yeah, lived yeah. in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Oprah with a with a uh, with a uh, an F. Yeah, or so, uh, no, it wasn't to be a book club selection. She was doing a show on death and dying. And she had uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the very famed, extraordinarily famous and well-respected author uh, on, on death and dying. That was, that was her you know, kind of thing. And she was the main guest. But they said they had a spot at the end five minutes at the end of the Oprah show where they bring on like, and here's another little story that's kind of like the theme that we're talking about. And did I want to do that? So we said, of course, you know, sure. We want to do it. Now at that time, this is how long ago this was. Oprah was filming in Chicago, Mm -hmm. not in Detroit, not in uh, LA. So Chicago's close enough to Detroit that we all just took a bus out there, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, my wife, of course, said, who was a big Oprah fan, said, just find out. You've got to find out if my sisters can go. And I said, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ask if I can. Just please, please, please. So we asked, is it possible? Can Janine had, had, had three other sisters. Could the sisters go? Okay, yes, the sisters could go. And for all I know, there were a couple other people, too. It's hard to remember. It was 25 years ago. So That's we pretty took fun. <laughs> this, we took this whole caravan out to the Oprah show. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. So 
So we go to the Oprah show and uh, they, they're very nice to us and they take my family and me and then they separate me from my family. I said, okay, well, you guys go sit out there and, uh, and Mitch, you come into the you know, dressing room here. So now it's not like you get to meet Oprah before the show starts. I didn't meet her. She didn't come in, say hello or anything like that. I was going to meet her for the first time on stage. Yeah. And I'd never set foot on the stage before either. So they break you into the uh, hallway there just outside. They're filming in real time, you know, so they, they have a commercial break. If the commercial break is two minutes, you have two minutes from the time they pick you up. You got to You got to go, even though it's not live. You know, it's, it's as if it's live. Yeah. And they put me in the kind of, you know, backstage area and they say, OK, you're going to walk out. You're going to go to your right. And then there's going to be a chair there and you'll see, you say hello, you sit down in the chair and you're ready, ready, go. And they push you out. And so I walk out there and, you know, the audience is clapping and, and Oprah stands up and I go out and, and, and I, I, I go to this chair. And if you ever get a chance to watch the tape of this show, I always joke that Oprah doesn't have, uh, or back then, she, she didn't have human being furniture. She had like Gulliver furniture, giant <laughs> furniture. And I am hardly the world's tallest human being, you know. In heels or in shoes, I'm five foot eight. And I go out there and I get, I sit down in this chair, this massive chair, and my feet don't touch the ground. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And now I'm sitting there and I'm so self-conscious about like, are my socks showing and my feet, my feet are like dangling there. So I have to like wiggle in the chair to get my feet to touch the ground. And, you know, now I'm like leaning so far back in a chair that I look like, you know, I'm deciding to go to sleep on the Oprah program. <laughs> and I was so worried about how ridiculous I must have looked. I, I, I just didn't want to look like Edith Ann and laughing, you know, the yeah, little girl yeah. in the chair. And, uh, as that I, I honestly don't remember anything that she asked me. It went by so fast. And then the lights were off. Oh, my God. And it was over. And I remember I kind of parachuted out of the chair and landed on the <laughs> ground, you know. And uh, I felt like a total failure. And Why? I, Why did well, you feel because, like... Because I, I said I was so worried about like not looking like an idiot that I didn't oh, concentrate on her questions. Right. I didn't think that I gave her good answers. And then it was over. It was over so fast. So we were leaving, and they gave me in the in the dressing room. They gave me a um, coffee mug. So when I came out and I met up with my wife and her sisters, and they saw the coffee mug, and they said, "Oh, can we get one of those? Can we get a coffee mug?" So I figure, well, we're never coming back here. I'll probably never get invited on this show again or anything like that. So maybe we can get some more coffee mugs. So we went to the front desk instead of leaving, instead of leaving. And this is very fortuitous. Instead of leaving, we went to the front desk and uh, I, I, I said, hi, I was a guest on the show. Is there any way that we could get more coffee mugs? <laughs> this is so I funny. Didn't I didn't know. <laughs> And uh, and the woman behind the desk said, well, I don't know. I mean, I'll have to see. You know, wait, in charge wait. of the coffee mugs. Yeah, you'll wait here and I'll see if I can ask somebody for coffee mugs. And while I'm standing there with Janine and, and her sisters, this guy comes out of the elevator and he, or, or a woman comes out of the elevator. She says, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you didn't leave. Um, such and such wants to see you. He's the president of Harpo. And I, I said, 
the president of Harpo. Harpo was Oprah's company. Yeah. And they said, yeah, he wants to see you. I said, really? Me? And he said, yeah. I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble for asking for a coffee <laughs> mug or something. <laughs> uh, so I said, well, all right. And so my wife and, and my sister and my sister-in-laws, they all waited. And I went into this elevator and I went up to the top floor and I went into this man's office. And he introduced himself, a nice guy. And he said, uh, yeah, I was watching. Um, I was watching the feed, you know, and it sounds like a really interesting story that you got here. This, this, this book, it, I think it could catch on. I said, oh, wow, thank you. He said, how many uh, copies you have out in print? I said, uh, well, about, you know, 20,000. He goes, oh, no, no, no. He says, you don't understand. You need to print like 200,000 more copies before this show airs because people are going to see this. And they're going to want to buy it. You need to, you need to get way more. You're going to be totally sold out. And I, I, this is one of those rare moments of clarity <laughs> in my life that I said, will you, if I dial a phone number in New York, will really? you say exactly what you just said to me right. to the person on the other end of the line? He, and he laughed. He said, okay. So I used his phone and I called my publisher. And got her on the phone as a female publisher at the time. And I said, I'm here at the Oprah Winfrey show and I'm with the president of Oprah and here he has something to say. And I give him the phone and he says, uh, uh, yeah, Mitch did a good segment and, blah, 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 and I think this is going to be a real big book. You should print, you know, a couple hundred thousand copies and have them ready, you know, in the stores. And, and, and then he hung up. And uh, I think they printed 5,000 more copies. Oh, <laughs> you know, geez. Like, oh, no. Or 10,000. I don't know, whatever it was. But they didn't take his advice. And sure enough, the Oprah Winfrey program aired and boom, the book was sold out the next day, wherever you wanted to go. Oh, and they my didn't gosh. have any copies. And it was like right before Christmas, like the worst time. Uh, but from that point, it started to get some attention. It didn't go, you know, top of the charts or anything. It was started to get some attention and it just started to climb. It showed up on a bestsellers list and then at the bottom you know, like at number 12 or something like that. And then it just started to slowly, slowly, slowly climb. And in April of the following year, so it came out in August. Imagine next April from now, okay, April of the following year, that's when it went to number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. April, some, what, almost eight, eight months later? Wow. After wow. it came out. Yeah. So it was a slow burn. That's amazing. Ride, but that's, that's what happened. Yeah. You know, that is proof that this whole three month, they do the same thing with TV shows. TV shows are even worse. If you have a TV show and two episodes don't, you know, kill, they, uh, you know, yeah, drop your TV look. show. Yeah. But there, there is such a thing to a small simmer, like a slow simmer, you know, like you, this is the perfect example. Like give things time sometime, you know. They stop publicity. They stop everything after three months. You know, right. it's like your book right. is dead. Like, right. you know. Um, so, yeah, you got to give things time. You got to give things time. And you're right, Lisa, that could be a good lesson for today. You got to give things time to gestate, to grow. You know, everybody wants to make a decision on everything very quickly. Everybody wants to have an opinion on everything very quickly, want, wants to cast something as this or that, or the other thing very quickly. Sometimes you just have to wait and let it take hold. Let things yep. take hold. Let a, let a change in your life that you want to make 
let it take hold and, and give it a little time. So if you decide to make a, a change and the first day doesn't go the way that you wanted it to. Yeah. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Don't say, oh, this is a terrible idea. If the, if the first month of your new business doesn't go the way you want it to, if your first week of a new you know, uh, relationship or whatever isn't exactly perfect, give it time. Give it, yeah. yeah. Let it I, breathe. I tell my friends that all the time when they go on these dates, like these online dates, you know, and they'll uh -huh. literally go on one date and go, oh, no, he's not for me. I'm like, how can you possibly tell in one date that somebody isn't for you? You know, I don't, you know, I think you'd need at least three dates to find out if somebody isn't for you. Or if a job <laughs> isn't, or if a new town right. isn't, or if a, if a new organization that you're trying or anything. Give things time to breathe and to find their own. My mother was a, a very wise woman in many ways, even though she, she, she never went to college. Uh, she was an interior designer uh, for houses. And she would always say, don't move into a house and then start you know, the, the next day you're painting it and you're doing this. She said, let it talk to you. Let the house talk to you. Live in it for a while. Let the house speak to you and it will tell you how it should be decorated. Ooh, it will I tell love you that. what it needs done. Yeah. A very wise. And, and so Tuesdays with Maury had a chance to, you know, tell me what it was going to be. Show me in all those different little incarnations, those different little moments, those aha moments where, uh, I realized that there was something inside those pages that that people were, were embracing, but it took time, and it was a good thing that the the, the publisher's mistakes uh, didn't didn't cost it early on because and eventually they they figured it out and they started printing a lot of them and they've done a wonderful job of publishing the book. But but uh, things find their they find their level, they find their watermark, mm -hmm. and you just have to allow them to get there, and um, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll end with, uh, because we talked about this last week and it kind of comes full circle. So I talked about this little baby that's now living in our house, little Nadi from Haiti, who was uh, so severely malnourished. She'd only had sugar water to drink the first six months of her life. Oh, I don't geez. know how she survived. And we brought her here to the uh, States um, and uh, she... She is uh, thriving now as we give her care, give her uh, formula and, and, and food, and we've done some blood work on her. And she was anemic, and she had uh, conjunctivitis in her eyes, uh, and, and, but we're, we're caring for her now, and uh, she's coming along great. And, and it is a, a remarkable thing to sit at my age in my mid sixties and to uh, 64 mid, can you still say early? <laughs> You're still uh, technically early. Give yourself early, the early. In my early sixties, yeah. uh, early to mid sixties. And to sit there holding this tiny baby with a, with a bottle and watching her drink and with her big eyes looking up at me and to have that sensation, that incredible feeling that I know so many of you have all gone through in your lives. And I've had many, many, many children around me, obviously with an orphanage, but this is the first one that is this young. And even though she's actually six, seven months old, she's like a newborn. She, she's only eight pounds. And so, wow. you know, all of her, all of her movements and everything like that are like an infant. And uh, what a remarkable thing. What a, what a magical, amazing thing to hold this little child 
in your in your hands and in your cradle her in your arms and feed her and and to have as Maury said something so dependent on you so utterly completely dependent on you and to feel like I have to step up and I have to do this and you know I probably if life had gone differently I should have been doing this 25 years ago yeah right right when right when Tuesdays with Maury came out I should have been holding babies and and yet it took time it took time but here the moment has come and 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 now I'm getting a chance to live it uh we all are here and and it's just incredible and you can still appreciate it even if it's even if it's out of season you can still appreciate mm-hmm. the 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 magic of feeding a child and watching the child smile and and and, and giggle and and you know re- respond to a, a rattle and uh and 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 to just when she when i hold her up and she looks around you know she's looking every which direction i'm holding her up on my chest and then she just puts her little head and rests her head like just against my neck Aww. And, uh, i'm just going to i'm just going to take a nap right here and that that feeling is so incredible what an incredible you know god-given sensation to have that and that's where you you say what a piece of work is man you know that 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 wonderful wow scripture line what a piece of work is man how noble in reason how infinite in qualities and all the rest of it uh, it's just something and so um i guess better late than never is kind of a theme yeah. here you know? but yeah. uh or it's never too late yeah for anything so tuesdays yeah. of mori took its time and Babies took their time to get into uh, our lives here, but uh, allow things to take their time. Mm -hmm. Allow them to find their way to you. You'll be happy that you did. We uh, hope that you enjoyed this uh, little special look back on the birth of the book uh, edition of Tuesday's People. And we will see you again, of course, to talk more about things. Don't forget that Tuesdays with Maury, the play, is now making a run through the state of Michigan starting this week and running for six weeks in Traverse City, Kalamazoo, Bay Harbor, Grand Rapids, East Lansing, uh, and West Bloomfield. And you can get tickets to any of those shows simply by going to mitchalbum.com and clicking on the link uh, you'll be able to find everything there so we hope that you get a chance to see the play it's really wonderful and we will be here again to talk to you in just a week's time so until we do on behalf of Lisa Koich my producer I'm Mitch Album saying see you next Tuesday thank you for listening to Tuesday people To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.